so episode 20, 28. 28. The first two for eight. 2014. Yes. Which is going to be a bumper year. Yep. For a couple of pricks. Yep. We've started, we've got the new website. Yep. Up and going um, after much fucking <laughs> deliberation and and not knowing how the fuck to do it. But and, and, and hats off to you. Probably more difficult than throwing together a Facebook page, but. And for those people who are listening, who have downloaded the MP3 versions of this, yes. I hope you fucking appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know who you fucking are. If you're not listening, I, t- I guess there was a... You know what? You will be fucking listening. Otherwise, yeah. I will find you <laughs> and I will ask fuck you. I will find you. <laughs> I will kiss you. <laughs> that, that's that's uh, taken three. <laughs> that's where... Taken many times. Taken <laughs> take three, it from behind. Taken three X. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. The porn parody. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So we, we... Big year for us. We're definitely going to make episode 30. Oh, I think it's it's in the start. It's, yep. It's, I mean, it might episode thirty might be in July. Sure, but, but you know, yeah. we're, well, if you didn't live such a jet setting life, where are you off to now? We're recording this now because I'm actually off to Australia's Nashville. Yeah, Tamworth. So if you Sp- when, spending two weeks in Tamworth, yeah. actually filming my my feature documentary, my documentary debut. Mm-hmm. It's about the struggles of trying to make it in the Australian country music scene. It's called Three Teeth in a Dream. <laughs> I should not have taken a swig of beer at that point. Uh, the smile that you gave me just before you delivered the punchline should have warned me out. But occasionally you're not funny, and I took a chance. And that time, yeah. Yeah, you got to take a chance. <laughs> start off as we always do with the a couple of freaks death train mm. two one that happened today that i don't know if you'll know about yet if you do you, if you don't it'll hit your heart oh i'm dead i know exactly you know who you are? my number one news item all right producer saul zantz has passed away okay uh earlier not who the, i was thinking well that's that's the second no one. i understand that your second one is not who i thought it was so there's actually been three. Oh, okay that's yeah anyway. uh so famed producer of such oscar-winning films as the english patient amadeus and one flew over the cuckoo's nest yes as well as the 1970s animated lord of the rings has passed away at the age of 92 it's sad it is that's sad. it is it's, it's, it's a good career but he was old yeah i mean it's not like he i mean it's not like he uh, is, is it wrong to just sort of go, oh, good innings and well yeah. done? But yeah, and that's all it really is. Are you fucking serious? Like, but, he's but ni- in his 90s. Yeah. Yeah, which is in stark contrast to the person we're about to announce who died at either 106 or 107, depending on yeah. on which news report you're in. But the, the, the mighty Run Run Shaw. I was Devo, but not surprised, like 100 fucking, fucking years old. <laughs> Come on. You know, but uh, of the legendary Shaw Brothers Studios brought us... You will lit the thousands. The Tsar of Asia, I think he was called. Yeah. Um, and one of his protégés, uh, Raymond Chow, started Golden Harvest, which gave mm-hmm. us Bruce Lee's uh, final movie, End of the Dragon, yeah. as well as Re- some of his other yeah. stuff. I mean, really, the Shaw brothers yeah. invented Hong Kong cinema. They absolutely did. As we know it, invented the Kung Fu movie to yep. a large extent. Without them, there is, there isn't martial arts films. correct absolutely you, and if you can't you, overstate enough how important the Shaw Brothers were absolutely absolutely and if you um, if you're not uh, overly familiar with the work watch Kill Bill mm. and you will then understand what the homage to of that that genre especially the Pai Mei sequence mm. it's sad for fuck man 100 odd years old so. yeah. but interesting people may not know that um, after Golden Harvest basically royally shafted the Shaw Brothers in the arse, yeah. he moved to America and, and was one of the producers on Blade Runner. Yes. So, yeah, I did have, I had that. Mm. And quite a, like, a generous man as well. Obviously, they made billions. Yes. And he gave so much of it away. Mm-hmm. Hospitals and schools. Yep. Recently, 13 million, do- personally gave $13 million to Typhoon Relief. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, an absolute guy. prince of a man. Yeah. Yep. Prick of a boss, though, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But, but anyway. As I've got written here, there isn't a vessel large enough to hold the amount of wind this guy needs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially for the Asian cinema market and just for people in general. Yeah. No, sad. Sad mm. when I heard that today. Um, the second one I thought you meant was going to be James Avery. 
Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince. 68. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Out for 68 <laughs> to continue the awful, abysmal metaphor. <laughs> so that's a bit yeah, of well, I, I never watched Fresh Prince. Yeah, I, so it didn't really, didn't really bother me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I assume gang-related. <laughs> yeah. Those cold-ass honkies <laughs> finally went, what are you doing oh. here in Beverly Hills? But, but he was... He was the voice of someone crazy in a cartoon that I actually knew more than okay. knew more than him. I just closed the IMDb page. So news. was just fuck awful uh, for those who are unaware jump on our uh, facebook page um and have a look at at the post of of michael bay walking out um, mm. as i said um, uh, samsung had best be sticking their hand out and going what the fuck yeah give me back that money because yeah. they would have paid surely had to pay yeah. him some large he has money. made a statement since i did read this yeah. <laughs> so, look i'm sorry i just got so excited i jumped ahead of the script yeah Fuck off! <laughs> you Did he just have it? no idea what he was saying? I mean, I, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. I do. I mean, but then it's Michael Bay. <laughs> so you're torn. Yeah, it's kind of like your mother-in-law driving off a cliff in a Mercedes. It's like, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I just I, you kind of feel sorry for the guy, but then at the same time, you don't. Yeah. I mean, he's a fucking professional. Yeah. Uh, you know, now if public speaking's not his bag, baby, that's don't fine. take money to public speak. Yeah. You know, and if the teleprompter fucked up. You can't just say, look, hey, teleprompter fucked up. This is a great fucking TV. Watch How this. good is Transformers 4 yeah. going to look? Can you imagine the resolution that you're going to see? Transformers 4. Transformers, I Transformers, 4? Transformers 4? Transformers 4. Marky Megan Mark. Fox? Bam. Yeah, except she's not in it. Marky Mark. Back. No, she's in TMNT. Ah. All is forgiven in the Megan Fox camp. She's in yeah. April O'Neil. Uh, but anyway. It was just bad. Yeah. I mean, what's he, if he, Lord forbid he ever wins an Oscar. Which he won't, but Lord forbid he ever wins an Oscar. And, and, and as I did say on the Facebook page, yeah. i do got to give the devil his due. I watch Pain and Gain. Not in a million years would I have thought that was a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, I, and look, it was, probably wasn't a Michael Bay. Oh, well, actually, no, because if you look at Bad Boys, it's shot almost mm. verbatim, but still. But Bad Boys was good, though. <laughs> Bad but Boys you too? liked, you liked so Pain much. and Gain. I'm surprised. Yeah. I thought you would have panned the fuck no, out I of that movie. No, I really dug it. Okay. I, I thought it was really, really good. And I, I'm blown away, honestly, blown away by The Rock. How fucking jacked was he in that movie? Oh, he's a he's beast. Got to be. He's a fucking beast. I mean, I'm you think frightened. He's well, uh, you said it because I was too frightened to. And let's be clear, I was the motherfucker who sat in this very room and said, "Still, Team Six could suck my yeah. dick." I was too frightened to fucking. Ho- I'm, I'm frightened that what Rock can hear me. Like with those big ass, he's <laughs> big ass ears. He's fucking jacked. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he'll, he'll come down. He'll lay the people's elbow on him. <laughs> Fuck, he'll lay the smack down. Smell what the rock <laughs> is cooking. Fuck. Anyway, so, I did not think it was that good a movie. No. I must have. I, I, got, yeah, really. Yeah, that's fine. As as I said, you know, <laughs> the views shared on this Facebook page are not always. <laughs> I mean, you didn't like Constantine, which I did. So yeah. I'm, you know, but so anyway. Yeah. Sean Ryan, of The Shield fame, mm-hmm. has just signed a three-year deal with Sony Pictures Television. Ryan's ill-fated Bedley Hills cop for CBS and ABC's Last Resort, which was cancelled after one season, were his last two forays into the, uh, into the TV world. But apparently, 2014-15 TV season has got him running around like the proverbial blue-ass fly with a 1950s drama set in Hawaii that's going to be on Fox. A drama with ABC, don't know any more than that. A mining drama at HBO, and Mad Dogs, a limited series at FX. So this blew me away. I didn't really do a whole lot of research on this, but I assume that Sony. But he's just that's a lot. Well, plus he's teaming with our mate Baz to come up with a period drama about the birth of the hip hop era. No doubt another really? vehicle for Jay Z to fucking put a soundtrack uh, together. And yeah, yeah, good on you. Yeah. Jay-Z. But he's in pretty good company. David Shaw of House mm-hmm. Success is also with Sony Pictures. And Vince, what's my motherfucking name, Gilligan of the Breaking Bad juggernaut has also signed with the studio. So 
interesting stuff out of Sony Pictures Television. Yeah. Disney. Yes. Are apparently in the early stages of developing a standalone Boba Fett movie. Mm. I would like to go on record as saying I think this is a fuck awful idea. And in this particular instance, the views of a company (laughs) do represent the entirety (laughs) of this fucking podcast. The Star Wars universe is so vast, Mm -hmm. so rich. There's so many new stories that you can tell. Mm -hmm. Don't go down the slavish, pandering fan service road. That's one of the main reasons that the original, sorry, that the prequel trilogy was fucked. That they're all about fan service and isn't this cool? There's no way you can escape that if you're doing Boba Fett stories. Ridiculous. Let it go. It's ridiculous. Let it go. It is beyond. It is beyond ridiculous. It'd be like doing a Chewbacca standalone. I mean, it's just... Exactly, that's how it would sound. It's just ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the thing that made Boba Fett so great, so perfect... You knew nothing about him. And it was he was in, and he was out, and yeah. that was it. And yeah. and every and people were frightened of him. Like, and no disintegrations. What yeah. the fuck's that all about? Yeah. Hannibal Lecter, Sons of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, was a monster because you didn't know why. Yes. He was just a fucking monster. Yes. You don't need this shit explained. Yep. Yep. So... Disney, if you're listening, and I know you are, yes, bad. Don't do it. Bad idea. Don't do it. Bad idea. I was, and we were pretty excited. I seem to recall we were excited that Disney bought Lucas. Yeah, because we thought, oh, it'll, yeah, fuck him. David Mamet, David Mamet, David Mamet, is reportedly teaming with Lionsgate Television and 20th Century Fox for a seven-episode limited series about the seven deadly sins, the seven cardinal sins. Which will serve, I'm doing in air quotes, which will serve as a backdrop of a series of interconnected stories that reflect on the human condition through Mammoth's distinctive lens. If that's not fucking studio speak for yeah. Yankee, I don't know what it is. But it's not going to be a cable show. So it's going to be oh. on network television. Oh. And Mammoth loves Ma- the Ma- F-bomb. Mammoth's not. Yeah. <laughs> he loves that F bomb. He, you know. Yeah. And he's so very. Mammoth is the words on the text. You must yeah, follow you, those. And, and but everyone that's <clears throat> that's done Mammoth mm. says you don't want to go off script. No, because what is on the script is so fucking and good. If you, that's absolutely right. And it's the it's a bit of a sort of a joke, but at the same time, it's a it's a tip of the hat. It's a little bit like Fincher's visual style. There's mm. there's no one quite like Fincher behind the camera. There's no one quite like Spielberg. But mm. let's just move away into that 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 Mammoth section. What, I mean, he's a playwright. Mm-hmm. And as you know, on stage, people listening as well will, will know this, there's not a lot of room to ad-lib because you will genuinely throw the other people off mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. And so he's learnt, he's honed his craft writing for that genre or that, that medium, sorry. So you don't, you don't fuck with Mamet's word. And but yeah, how is he going to work without being able to... I mean, he's, he's phenomenally talented. He, he'll do it, but it's that. just... It'd be like Tarantino writing for... And not using nigger. Yeah. Should I have not said that? Yeah. But then, yeah, maybe. We might bleep that. It might be the first bleep on... I don't care. So, yeah, too frightened to piss off the rock. Not too frightened yeah. to piss off millions of African Americans. <laughs> Something wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, well... Anyway. So, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested yeah. to see it. He'll oh, certainly... He'll you get you, my you had me at Mammoth. Yeah. yeah. David. Yeah. David Mammoth. David Mammoth. Mammoth. Yeah. David Mamet, yeah. See that, folks? A subtle David Mamet joke that some of you won't get. Oh. Marvel is seemingly not... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. Marvel is seemingly not going to be satisfied until it has a TV show on every time slot <laughs> on every channel in the world. Are you watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. Are you liking it? It's all right. I gave up, I'm afraid. I just yeah. chipped out on it. There are murmurings on the almighty internet that Marvel are going forward with a series based around Agent Carter, Captain America's 1940s flame, played by Hayley Altwell in that movie and also in the recent Marvel one-shot that was in the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray. That one-shot ends with her being sequestered to Washington to run S.H.I.E.L.D. with Howard Stark. This show could be good because of when it's set. It's in the, you know, it's in the 40s... You're not having to deal with the modern movie timeline, so you could tell some new stories without yep. feeling the need to shoehorn it. Could be good, could be absolute gash. Look, I was disappointed in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I think it is it, it almost solely exists to link the movies in, 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 a, in a way that really there's no need to do it. So I'm, I'm 
No, Marvel is insisting upon itself. That's what yeah. it's doing, and I'm not interested in no. that. E! Exclamation point. E! Reports that his royal purpleness prince <laughs> will guest star on the Super Bowl night episode of New Girl. That Zooey mm-hmm. Deschanel yeah. yep. shit. Making his first ever appearance on a televised comedy as himself. And apparently he's throwing a spanner in the works of the couple de jour on the show. Like, Because he... Which one does he want to find? I don't know. But... Well, he's a Christian. He's a beautiful Jehovah's Witness. I mean, That's, he'll probably yeah. just talk in there, walk in there and go, God is love, but... Game, blouses. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I I checked out of New Girl after about the third episode. Like, I like, As you know, I like to give most things yeah. a, a bit of a whirl. I, to be honest with you, I never even checked in. Yeah. I, man, I, I've I, seen it when it's been on, on TV. Yep. It's not the worst show in the world. That, you know, honour, of course, goes to two broke girls. <laughs> Yeah, but you checked in on that one, surely. I turned the sound down, and there is nothing wrong with that. You are invested as fuck in that show. So I think it's interesting, though. Yes, no, that is. Maybe. We'll see what happens. I might download that. I might watch that episode. Yeah. The man of many media and podfather to us all, Kevin Smith, Uh may be moving to a new way of telling stories, musical theatre. Smith who is currently in post-production of his movie Tusk, which came out of a discussion on his Smodcast podcast, has started writing a script called Hell in a Handbasket, also born of a Smodcast discussion. But in writing the script, described as, humanity teams up with hell to save existence from extinction at the hands of a rapturing giant Jesus, additionally called Christzilla, <laughs> he realised he would he would never be able to make this film for the budget that he would be able to get for this film, so he's looking at turning it into into a musical, in the style of his favourite thing ever, Book of Mormon. What I don't think Kevin knows is just how fucking expensive it is. <laughs> if he, if he thinks he can't make this film for ten million dollars, but he thinks he can put it on stage, wow. he's uh he's. He always I mean, does something interesting. I mean... I mean, yeah. What I don't understand is why is Kevin Smith... And I think he spoke about it. But why is he not t- making use of crowdsourcing? He has discussed it. Mm. And he said I just that... I remember. His, his theory behind it is he's established now. Mm. He can do things the proper way. He's got his own money. Yep. He would rather see crowdsourcing money go to someone making their clerks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if he were, if he crowdsourced, he'd get millions. That's what I mean. But that money he feels would be better going to people making their first movies. He doesn't want to gobble up all that pie. Yeah. Which, well, if you'll pardon the pun, <laughs> lovely and noble, but fuck off. Like you have fans out there who want to see your shit. Yeah. And would give you money for it. Mm. I I have given kick not to any films or anything because the only one I've ever heard of was the Veronica Mars Kickstarter, and and I was just frightened. I would give money to it. I mean, I paid to have Ralph Garman talk to bloody Adam West so that I can listen to, so I can contribute in my very small way to the star on Hollywood thing. So I, I, yeah, look, it sounds all very noble. It just sounds a little bit piss fucking weak to me. And mm. if, if I was Kevin Smith's business manager, if he has one, yeah. I would be going. What? Probably Jordan. <laughs> what the level fuck are yeah. you doing? Like, because of this exact thing. I mean, I, I, I've you talk about there's, there's been a few big lottos around recently and whatnot, and, and I've always thought to myself, if I had the, the odd few million, I'd actually make a genuine reach out to Kevin. You know, your dream ending of of Red State. Here's as oh the rapture. Yeah, here's a few million yeah. to to go to ILM. Yeah, and do your rapture yeah. end like I would. You know, yeah. I mean that's a bit of a pipe dream. But yeah. that's there are people out there yeah. who would do that. Well. You know the story of the funding of Monty Python's A Life of Brian? You know the fun, where the George money Harrison. Yeah, who was a huge Python yeah. fan yeah, yeah, yeah. and just wanted to see another Python yeah. movie. And did he have a cameo? Was he one of the... I don't think he did. Oh, okay, I thought he might have been one of... Or he, or he it, may have, but... Was it Life of Brian or Holy Grail? 
I thought it was Life of Brian that he found. I know. Look, it yeah. doesn't matter. Either one. I'm not going to the internet to, to find it. You know what? It's out there, people. Mm. Do your own fucking yeah. research. But let your mind be Google. fans. Yeah, fun. exactly. So, and they fucking took the money. Mm. They gobbled that up. And yeah. I don't know whether he got any of his money back or not. He but like, I don't think he cares. He was fucking George Harrison. He was a Beatle. Who cares? Yeah. Anyway. I should have asked him when I met him. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I, I actually... I, I, that, that's I'm legitimate? Not, yeah. I, I, well, I met as in I served him. Okay. <laughs> And said, G'day, how's it going? And he said, it's good. Oh, I can't do a George Harrison impression. No, and just um, asked him how long he was staying on the island for, and he said he wasn't sure, and mm-hmm. moved on and went on his way. Because he had a house on Hamilton Island when I used to work there. Yeah. One night in a piano bar, there would have been about 15, 16 people in there. Lo and behold, George Harrison walks in. And I'm just gone, holy shit. And no one behind the bar, like, there was only one other person behind the bar, and she was polishing glasses. Literally possible. Is that, okay. that a euphemism? That, yeah. And I just strolled over to him and he had a scotch and coke and I went, fuck me. <laughs> you know, and then someone t- tried to tell me later it couldn't have been George Harrison because George Harrison is dry. I'm like, well, I don't know about that because Bill, uh, Jimmy Barnes was dry too and that motherfucker <laughs> ordered a bottle of vodka off me. So, and there's no mistaking Jimmy Barnes. So anyway, that was my brush with George Harrison. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. a nice thing. Very friendly, very just yeah. paid his money and, and whatnot. He was quite happy to have a, a minor, how long are you in the island for? Not sure. Yeah. Loving the weather, blah, blah, blah. Have a great night and moved on. Mm-hmm. Finished his drink and then left. My brush with celebrity, folks. Yeah. Stay tuned next week. My brush with celebrity and... It's a legitimate story that I'm going to completely illegitimize. Excellent. When I was, I think I must have been somewhere in the 9 to 12 area. Mm -hmm. And now I'm scared saying it. I met Rolf Harris. No, you're not his his demographic. You're his age group, but not his demographic. Yeah, no, I met him in a a hotel lobby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, no. Too too easy. easy. I, I, I can't tell. Sure... National treasure, yeah. sure, possible kitty fiddler. Yeah. It's all a bit murky. Didn't ask to see you wobble board or anything along those lines. He didn't want to tie you down. Didn't call you kangaroo. Are you kangaroo? Are you kangaroo? Did he the tie song, you The down? song was written about me. <laughs> actually, no. Your I'm, little actually, sister. Jake, I'm Jake the Peg. Fucking wish. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, THR, the Hollywood Reporter, reports that superhero screenwriter David S. Goya has fucked off from the Man of Steel sequel and is off to pen Sandman. Oh. And Academy Award-winning scripter Chris Terrio, who won an Academy Award for Argo, has stepped into the role. Interesting. Batfleck has brought the big guns. That's, yeah. So, penning a new draft, apparently. So a draft's already been given in. Goya's basically probably handed in a phone in a draft because he's so hit and miss. Goya is absolutely hit and miss. Sometimes he can br- deliver the Dark Knight and mm. the Dark Knight Rises. And sometimes he can deliver the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> and other times he can deliver Blade 3. <laughs> In, according to some people, not this podcaster's opinion, Man of Steel, which I disagree with. I've, I've actually recently bought the Blu-ray and I'm loving every minute of it. Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. may be directing a new film, Montezuma, about the conquest of Mexico by yep. Hernan Cortez. Now, this in itself isn't that big a story. Spielberg's name gets bandied about with films all the time because he's Steven Spielberg. He's the biggest director in the world. Yes. But it's the backstory of this script that is so impressive. I, I researched and I just needed to, needed to tell it. Dalton Trumbo is a name you probably don't know. Correct. Is he a character from no. um, The Hunger Games? <laughs> it's... <laughs> I think I think possibly <laughs> thanks to Plutarch Humphrey or whatever he's called Plutarch Evansby. There we go. Screenwriter of Spartacus and Papillon. After spending eleven months in jail for refusing to testify at Joe McCarthy's Anti-American Activities Commission, I love him already. Wrote a two hundred and five-page script about Cortez and his relationship with Aztec Emperor Montezuma. To put that into context, the average movie script is between 95 and 120 pages. So this was a fucking phone book of a script. The script is said to have been heavily influenced by his blacklisting mm-hmm. in Hollywood, his being named as one of the, the Hollywood Ten. Historians, people that have an interest in, in movie history, really interesting, really dark part of Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. I definitely 
recommend you know doing some reading on it, even yeah. just some Wikipedia. They, they were the original blacklist. Nothing to do with James Bay. No, but as powerful as it is, because of him being dark, no one no one touched it. Mm. Now, fifty years later, the script is being revised by Steve Zalian, who was is the screenwriter of Schindler's List, mm-hmm. with Javier Bardem set mm. the star. Now that I knew about Bardem, mm. so. Coincidentally, there is also a film about Trumbo in the works starring Breaking Bad's Brian Cranston. Well, there you go. I like that news. I'm excited. Because Spielberg putting his eye to anything is pretty much guaranteed, you know... Unless it's American Sniper. <laughs> guaranteed to get made. Yeah. Too soon. I'm, I'm impressed. Like, he, no one can do an epic like oh, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Like, no one does epics like him. And, and I think he's... He's pretty faithful to source materials and whatnot, so it'd be good. I'd, yeah, I'd no, I would see this movie regardless. Well, I know very little about this period. Yeah, in, in, in not only, I know a lot about this period in Hollywood, but this movie, I would yeah. know, and it would be the sort of thing that would pique my interest to mm. go do some little bit more research. Yeah. But some little bit more research, language is my tool. A story that broke just as we were recording the last episode, which mm. has gotten a lot of traction in the press. Yep. But I love the story so much, I've got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> Was he? Woody already knows where this is going. Shia LaBeouf. Le, le, le. So, from the beginning, Mr. LaBeouf recently released a 12-minute short film for free online called HowardCantor.com. This film bore a striking resemblance to a graphic novel by Daniel Klaus called Justin M. Damino, or Damiano. Klaus, for people who are interested is the author of Ghost World, which was adapted into a film starring Thora Birch and a young Scarlett Johansson. The difference being that LaBeouf made no references to Clow's work and passed it off as his own. Just just so that people are... That's plagiarism. That's thievery in the yes. highest form. Yes. Please. You would think that would be bad enough. He later apologised to Clow's mm-hmm. in one way, saying that he fucked up, but then made a longer, more formal apology. The problem is that apology appears to be lifted largely verbatim from, of all places, a Yahoo Answers page talking about plagiarism. LaBeouf is actually no stranger to plagiarism. He's been accused of it a couple of times, including uh, where apparently he copied an Esquire magazine apology to Alec Baldwin and passed it off as his own. This week, he apologised again by hiring a skywriter to write, I'm sorry, Mr. Clowes, up in the sky above Los yeah. Angeles. And then when obliquely mocked, not even by name, when uh, HBO's Girls creator, Lena Dunham, took a bit of a stab at skywriting, he apologised to her using the same text of a tweet that she had sent apologising to something else earlier in the year. Has this? Did... So I think it's getting all a bit... It's all a bit weird. He's then saying, said that all of this is because he's addicted to Sizzup. What the fuck is Sizzup? Sizzup is some bizarre American... It's okay. a codeine and soda right. drink. So he's apologised, saying, look, I'm, I've been high on Sizzup. But his apology for that... Are you shitting me? ...was taken... No, was lifted word for word from a rapper's apology... From being high on scissors. Is he now doing this on purpose? I think he's got to be. He's got to be. Because there's yeah. just a couple of other apologies that are just lifted. But I think he's just trying to get out in front of it and make just it a joke. Be a bit of a, but yeah. it's just some fucked up Inception shit. I don't even know where to start. Wow. What a... Uh, you know what? He had a chance. I think I said this here. He had a chance at actually carving a fairly decent career out for himself. Yeah. I think he's gone now. He's it's it's going to take a lot of work to come back. Yeah. You, you thought Crystal Skull dug a pretty big <laughs> hole. <laughs> well, I mean, he dug that. He's basically shat in his own nest every single opportunity he's got. Like he shat on Transformers. He shat on fucking Crystal Skull. And Spielberg has basically said, "Fuck off. That's it. You're done. You. I put you in the Megan Fox camp. You know, mm. like." And then he shat on Megan Fox. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, we fucked, by the way. I know you're engaged to some other guy, but it was David Silver from 902. Yeah, so that doesn't really count. He's so not a real guy. But what would have been impressive if he told him that he shat on Megan Fox? <laughs> He'd oh, have gotten some respect yeah. just for the balls to say it. By the way, yeah. 
das Scheiße. <lacht> What the fuck's wrong with German people? <lacht> So only one review this week. But it's a big one. It's a big one. A genuine, dare I say, the Pricks episode title. <laughs> genuine schmuggest board. <laughs> Copyright. A couple of Pricks, 2014. So you'll, you'll, you'll like to see a Shia LaBeouf <laughs> podcast <laughs> called Schmuggest Board. I will, I will apologise for for tipping my hat at the episode. Oh, actually, people will see the episode title, so that's all. Okay, that's good. We've just become meta. We've used the episode title in how very community of us. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Dan Harmon actually has come back to, to run this season of a couple of pricks for us. <laughs> this is why it's disjointed and yeah. still not as funny as our season three. The Desolation of Smaug, or as I like to call it, The Desolation of My Poor Red Ass, because it was a three-hour fucking movie and I was in the world's most uncomfortable chair. Directed by Sir Peter Jackson and starring everybody from the first part, plus a return of Orlando Bloom as Legolas, the appearance of Evangeline Lilly as Toriel, a non-canon elf maid, Stephen Fry and Luke Evans. But there's heaps of others. Go look it up. I'm not doing that. We'll still be here. We'll be here till next week. The movie kicks off with the most gratuitous cameo Peter Jackson has ever made. And then Gandalf approaches Thorin in the Inn of the Prancing Pony and convinces him to go to Erebor to retrieve, retrieve the Arkenstone. From there, we jump forward a year to where we left off our intrepid band of wizard, titular hobbit, and 13 dwarfs on said quest. After successfully crossing over and under the Misty Mountains, Thorin and company must seek aid from Bjorn before taking on the dangers of Mirkwood Forest. Without Gandalf, who leaves after seeing a rune of Sauron on a ruin and promptly pisses off to the south. The party must complete the journey to Lonely Mountain and seek out the secret door that will give them access to the horde of the dragon Smaug. I have made no secret of my love of this film series and for me this one is no exception. It's every bit the Empire Strikes Back it should be and not the disappointing Silverthorn it could be. But, and it's a big but, a big red but. As it's the second act of a movie, there's no beginning or ending of a story, only a middle. And I think that's its biggest flaw. So many other trilogies, even ones we knew were going to be trilogies, still manage to not simply exist to get us to the next bit. And I think this is where Sir PJ has gone pretty much shot himself in the foot and proved everybody who said it shouldn't be three movies right. Old fave Legolas Orlando Bloom arrives to try and tie the two trilogies together. Evangeline Lilly's Toriel is simply there to break up the colossal sausage fest that is the movie. And that's almost straight out of Sir Peter Jackson's mouth. Now, this is not a bad thing. Lily is excellent and the addition doesn't fault the movie. But you can hear the fanboys and have heard the fanboys scream, just like they did with Arwen in the Rings films. The action when it happened was exhilarating and I laughed out loud at several of the antics. Watching this film in the presence of my kids was a double boost because their laughter and awe was infectious. The cinematography is absolutely breathtaking. Mirkwood breaks new territory and reminds us of the wonder that we had when we first saw Rivendell. And the sequences with Smaug are just astonishing. This is an ensemble film with solid turns from all corners. Luke Evans channels the mysteriousness that Vigo brought to Aragorn and the ever-dependable and delightful Stephen Fry was simply a joy to watch. This is the middle of the Unexpected Trilogy, and as such, you know at some point they're going to leave you hanging with a set of blue balls that only a teenage boy could understand. And they did. So I'm torn. On one hand, I could spend hours and hours and hours in this world, and I'm gutted every single time I see the end credits roll, with the exception of the hauntingly beautiful Into the West at the end of Return of the King, where I unashamedly cry. But on the other hand, I had to remove myself from that and objectively state that this movie really doesn't have that much of a story. 
It is one set piece to another, and all the prettiness of the glittering gold of the dragon's hoard cannot distract. If, so like many people often do, this is the first movie of the franchise they will see, it is a confusing mess filled with who's that guy and what's going on moments, which is a shame. Still, I'm a one-eyed fanboy. I loved it. I loved it more than the first, and I'm giving it four stars. Margaret. Loyal listeners will know that I was left a bit cold by the first entry in the Unexpected Trilogy. I felt that it added nothing new that we hadn't already seen in the Lord of the Rings films, and in fact tarnished the legacy of those films by being largely filler, having real pacing problems, and on the whole just being a bit dull. But, being the professional movie-watching guy that I am, I sucked it up and dove into number two, in the luxurious comfort of Canberra's very own Dendi Premium. Because it's a three-hour fucking movie. <laughs> I want a beer. Yeah. <laughs> I want a beer and some chocolate. Yeah, can I just say, fuck you, Birch Carol and Coyle. Anyway. And boy, am I glad that I did. Mm. Much like Star Trek Into Darkness reinvigorated the franchise for you, the Desolation of Smaug really did the same to me and had to be very hard for the next one. I felt the film had far more focus and a story that really did zip through its two-and-a-half-plus three-hour film. Mm. It didn't feel like it dragged. There, was no, there were no points in there where it dragged for me. It, didn't also, it also didn't rely so heavily on fan service nods to previous films or previous things, although I think Legolas's appearance was possibly a touch contrived. But this had me hooked from the very start. I can't not mention Smaug. He is, after all, the reason for the season. Anyone that has ever played Dungeons and Dragons, anyone that has ever had a dog-eared copy of that red rule book, anyone that has played any, any fantasy RPG has dreamed of seeing a dragon on a pile of gold. This was just fucking mind-blowing. The dragon was the most amazing dragon you have ever seen yeah. in any in any film and the scope my god this place was fucking huge just kept going and going in the gold ah oh, the sheer scope of the treasure hall just blew me away this is this is fantasy done right i'm sure that when it comes out on blu-ray there'll be people freeze framing that whole sequence and finding little easter eggs and little hidden things that jackson's put in there but holy shit that was fucking well done Again, performances across the yeah. board, solid. I liked the the forbidden elf on dwarf yeah, little was, budding thing yeah. that's going on there. It could have been really cheesy. Instead, it was just cheesy. Yeah. But yeah. it worked. It, it worked. worked. It did work. Nice little cameo. I blink and you miss it from Stephen Colbert. Yeah, you had to sort of know where he was going to yeah. be. But that was yeah, the world's biggest Tolkien fanboy. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's a huge, huge geek. Oh, it's good that he got got a go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Like I said, I'm back on board. Mm -hmm. Does it need to be three movies? Probably not. I think that'll be debated till the end of time, and you'll have people that are loyalists that will mm -hmm. say no, people that don't care that much who say yes, and probably people that are in the middle saying it probably didn't need to be. You could have made it too, but you would have lost some stuff. And, Again, left you hanging yep. um, in a way that didn't upset me as much as Hunger Games. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, it was very much a, uh, because they telegraphed so much of what you knew was going to happen next. Mm. You didn't need to read the books to know what's going to happen with the dragon and with the town. But, yeah, I can't wait for this to wrap up. Four stars. Yeah. Oh, it's It was the hardest thing ever to because I did. I pulled myself out. And just went objective about this and thought about it and thought about it and went, you know what? From a from a movie point of view, this, this film this suffered. Yeah. yeah. But you're I mean, I will I don't give a fuck if every single one of these I've done, as you know, I call it a weekend one weekend to rule them all, where I watch all the Lord of the Rings extended mm. DVDs. So that's twelve and a half to, to nearly thirteen hours of viewing. Oh. I've done that four times and I've almost got my kids ready to go to, to do it again and I will do it again. I love spending time in this world. Having said that, I've never read the books. I've read what I like to call Lord of the Rings Light, which is the Dragonlance series mm. and, and, and a lot of Richard Raymond E. Feist stuff, but uh, I got but the gist. I don't know. Seeing it. that dragon was didn't spectacular. You didn't you just think a dragon fight 
Yeah, with finally, reds and gold. Oh. Finally, and what I really liked, I have always liked dragons, and I don't know why. In for any particular reason, I can't really, I can't really pinpoint it. But I've always liked dragons that are only t- bipedal, and the claw sits at the top of the sh- the well. I suppose technically would be the shoulder blade of the wing. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that one, and it, probably because as a kid, growing up in North Queensland, dealing with fruit bats and seeing how they move through trees, constantly flanning their wings out and whatnot, I, I just really love this dragon. It's one of the things I like about George R. R. Martin's dragons is he said absolutely, unequivocally, that's how they look. But that smog sequence is... A, and interesting and the I, voice was fantastic. Yeah. Now, Benedict but, Cumberpatch did a pretty bang-up job. Okay, and I accept that, but I'm curious, because he did the Necromancer as well. Did it need to be Benedict Cumberbatch? Like, well, because it was so processed and exactly like it could well, have been be someone. But, but they've got they. You have a a complete raft of specialized voice, voice actors. actors. Should have been Mark Hamill. Andy Serkis was nobody really before mm. he did Gollum. Now, now he's almost the king of motion capture and whatnot. Yeah. And they look they they got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's motion capture while he did the um, whatnot. And if you've ever seen Mark Hamill. As you just mentioned, do the Joker. He gets up off the chair and he gets all clawy around the, and whatnot. So it's all wonderful. But as it was so overdone, did it need to be Benedict Cumberbatch? Was it just trying to grab some nerd cred? Who knows? Who knows? But I just when I was like, it was the, it didn't take me out of it. But I because I knew we were probably going to talk about it, and I often do that with a movie. If I know I'm going to talk about it, I'll try and highlight a point to remember mm. and, and that was one of the points but I didn't want to critique it on it but it, I, I knew it was going to be mentioned mm. so I thought I'd just let it roll as it does why did it need to be him mm. that was my my yeah. simple thought it was so over processed could have been my voice for fuck's mm. sake yeah. like if they can make friggin posh spice sound like she can sing they you know they could have made me sound like a bloody dragon yeah. like you know well, I've heard you in the morning after a hard night on the tequila. <laughs> not that much processing is required. So, and don't get me wrong, I'm not criti- I don't give a fuck. I, I'm in the category of I don't give a fuck what you do. These are fantastic yeah. movies and you're telling a great story. And he's expanding so much from the appendices and, and the stories. Like, we're going to see the Battle of the Five Armies. It's like got two lines in the whole... whole yeah, and it's you know. the main set piece. It's, it's, the, it's the focus of the third film. Yeah, panel. I mean, we're going to potentially see Gladriel kick some ass we're going to see Saruman before he turns Naki before you know and I'm pretty happy yeah. I'm pretty excited by it and a great way to finish it yeah like it was a good good finish up yeah. but uh, do, do you would you think that if you didn't know anything about it if you were to walk into that movie like a lot of people do they walk into it if you, if you didn't know the first if you hadn't seen the first movie yeah you'd be a bit confused yep. but then I understand sort of the point do you want to spend the first 20 minutes rehashing it for people that have sure but then look at it and okay look at empire strikes back mm. that is a standalone movie it is and it tells you all you need to know mm. in that first so so and that's fine i understand and agree with your, your it's, it's, yeah. it's purely academic because yeah. we both love the movie yeah and we neither of us gave a fuck and we're both of probably of but the yeah. mind of who the fuck goes and sees the godfather mm. part two before they see the yeah. you know yeah but yeah but you're right you could just watch empire be satisfied beginning to end walk away done yeah this you need the pre and the post this is the meat and the sandwich absolutely but yeah four stars fucking great yeah great film so many really good things to talk about talk about the barrel escape with when the dwarf in the barrel pops his arms i I love one thing i actually one of the notes that i lost that you've actually just reminded me about there were a couple of small bits in that scene which did take me out of it there were a couple of point of view scenes in a barrel yeah. that just seemed to be completely out of place. Okay. Just like a flash. And it was like it they'd spliced in a bit of white water rafting in New Zealand. Well, this and is funny. That, that annoyed me a little bit. I'm, I want to look up the film. I didn't do it. I want to look up the filming locations. I'm going to wonder if they did it a little bit around Rotorua because my, my wife and I did, for our honeymoon, did the longest drop of, on white water rafting that you can do. And it's about seven and a half meters or whatever like that. And right at the very beginning, they all pile over the top of this mm. massive drop down. And as soon as I looked at it, I went, I wonder if that's like a, mm. not much else you could see would, would be identifiable. 
But so having, and I, I mentioned this to you privately when we when I came back from New Zealand. So much of seeing New Zealand, you literally drove from one end of Middle Earth to the mm. other, and it was it was so beautiful. And there were a lot of things you could look at it and go, "Oh fuck!" Like I recognised the hill that Aragorn pretend, pretends to fall over mm. and whatnot, and yet you would look at it and go, "Hang on a sec!" But move it. We just happen to look at it at this angle. At this angle, then, fuck, yeah. there it is. Yeah. You know, so I, I must check out the, whether yeah. they did that because if so, I've gone over that fucking thing, and it is. I, I mean, obviously they didn't do it in a barrel. Although they will be now. Fucking frightening as shit, let me tell you. Yeah. There's a great little spot for our Antipodean, our non-Antipodean listeners, where just before that seven and eight, it could even be longer, than, bigger than that. It could be like a nine or ten metre drop or something. It's a fucking massive drop. It's enough for your entire whitewater raft to be completely vertical at one point before it then plummets in. But just before you get to that point, it's quite calm. And there's a set of stairs, and you can you can bail out at that point if you want, and they call it Aussie's Corner. Oh. <laughs> and as the two only two Aussies on the boat, that hurt. <laughs> it hurt, but you're in their country, and they fucking love us, so yeah. we love them. Oh, we yeah. fucking pay for it. Well, at least we're not poms. Uh. Five nil. Beginning of the year, yep. last episode we did the movies that are coming up in the next year that we're mm-hmm. excited for. We're also avid TV watchers mm-hmm. of good TV. Good TV. We, we devour good TV. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good shows coming out, a lot of shit shows that we're not going to talk about. But there is, yeah, there's some some really interesting things coming out mm-hmm. in the next year that we're going to talk about. We're just going yep. to just kind of have a bit of a chat. Yeah, just quick ones. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not spend too much time on it. Yeah. So what do you got? Hit me up. First one off the rank, yep. Helix. I've got this one. Yep. Yep. Uh, a team of scientists at the CDC travel to the Arctic to research a possible disease outbreak. Created by Ron Moore, which gave us the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Mm-hmm. That's you got me sold on with yep. Ron Moore. There is a fifth. There is a fifteen-minute clip available on YouTube. Okay, that, I, I didn't watch that. That I haven't seen yet. Yep. But yeah, Ron Moore. I mean, thirteen episodes apparently, mm. and all I've really got to say is expect the finale to suck. But <laughs> well, it is Ron Moore. It is. But I mean, I mean, on yeah. that one, I saw that one. Oh, okay. He's Ron Moore has earned enough credit for me to give his show a go. Mm. And thirteen episodes, yeah, unless right. it's completely gash, yeah. I'll give it all thirteen. Yeah. You know what I mean? One that won't probably won't surprise you, certainly won't surprise certain listeners out there. Looking. Yep. <laughs> I, I do. And I... <laughs> An upcoming American comedy drama about a group of gay friends living in San Francisco. I loved Queer as Folk. I make no apologies for that. It was such a brilliant, brilliant piece of television, a brilliant storytelling. But the British version was great. The American version went above and beyond and kicked it right out of the park. I think that since it's also going to be on HBO, there is an above-average chance we're going to see some cock. So sign me up, ladies. I would really like to have... um, This show could make me finally have that awkward conversation with my wife. So, you know. I'm looking forward to this. I haven't seen Queer as Folk. Mm -hmm. I know that it's one of those things that I should. But yeah, this HBO, you just know you're going to get quality. Mm -hmm. And there hasn't been a show focused around gay men since Queer as Folk. Mm. So, as you know, people that try and be inclusive, yep. I, I think it's a good thing. And only HBO, I think, could do a show about gay men and you know that it's going to be respectful. Absolutely. And that's why, because Showtime mm. did, I think Showtime distributed Queer as Folk. Yeah. Correct me if anyone wants to correct me, they can. ACOP Woody on Twitter. Don't, though. Um, <laughs> I love hate relationship <laughs> with my fans. <laughs> Fucking don't. But, yeah, absolutely, a really good show, some and some great drama, and was not sure sex sells, and it's titillating, and it's a little bit of this that the other yeah. was, but on the whole, like, well, my old man who's pretty much straighty one eighty, like doesn't yeah, he sat down and watched a couple of episodes with me one time, and he's like going, oh, 
oh, what, what do they need to... Now, he does this about straight sex scenes, so let me be clear. He's not a homophobe. They start getting it on on a, on a TV show. Oh, well, I don't understand why they need to show this on television. Exactly the same response, usually in that voice, and which made it uncomfortable for me because I was trying to jack off. But at the same time, once that passed, he was back in... Hang on a second, wasn't that bloke with the other bloke? What's yeah. going on there? I mean, oh, I've got, you know. Good storytelling will transcend everything yes. else. You so, know, so and, that, and that's what you get when you get HBO. Yeah. Also on HBO, yep. True Detective. Yeah, I have that too. We've probably got 90% of the Absolutely. Um, we're probably unsurprised. I'll have one that I know you won't have and you may run me out of your house. <laughs> Is it about werewolves? <laughs> no. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> a limited HBO series, again, yeah. so uh, a complete arc. They've said this is a, I can't remember the exact phrase, but similar to how American Horror Story is done. Mm. While there might be a different season, a new season, it will tell a different story. Okay. Two detectives telling the story of, of tracking down a serial killer, both in the present day and in the past. Yeah. But the hook for me is the cast. Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. You had me. You had, I saw, I've got here three things. Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson and HBO. Yeah. You've got my money. Yeah. Also, though, written and created by Nick Pizzolatto, and why I particularly like him is because he rewrote the mag- remake of The Magnificent Seven that's starring Tom Cruise. So while I was on a gay tip, I just kept going. Nice, nice. <laughs> Eight-episode arc. I'm, I am really loving now that the quality of television is so good that it's a, Matthew McConaughey is, is almost a dead cert to take Best Actor for um, Dallas Buyers Club. But I'm loving how serious actors, Woody Harrelson is, is not to be trifled yeah. with are coming to television, coming to tell these small, exciting little stories, bringing their act, their, their craft to it. And, then... yeah. and and this is almost the BBC way of telling a story. Mm. You don't need five seasons. No. You tell a story, you've got eight episodes, you're done. Well, since we're on TV, do you follow Bill Lawrence on Twitter? No. The creator of Spin City, Scrubs, no. and the most recent... Cougar Town. Yeah, Courtney Cox thing. Now, he, for reasons unknown, he just started espousing quite lyrical and he, he raised a couple of really good points basically the single camera concept of, of comedy situation comedy is wonderful but it's too high brown it's too high concept to do well in in the future whereas multi-camera with the laugh track which is always which is almost always an audience that they have to cut the laughter out provides a sort of a, a, a sort of a better re-watchability because you can put it on while you watch, while you're eating your dinner, you can look down. At your you plate. don't need the focus exactly. Whereas if you're watching something like Mon Family, for example, there are quite a few sight gags. There's a couple of there's a lot of sight gags in that, and it requires your focus. It requires your attention to get the best out of it. Fraser very similar. You can just listen to to wonderful. Well, Fraser would almost work as a radio play. Absolutely. When you've got people like Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce just just bringing such dialogue, you don't need. To watch it, and but when you do watch it, you can have your plate of spaghetti in front yeah. of you and dip. It, it, it does add something. Yeah, yeah. So that and it was just really interesting, just his his conversations on Twitter, and the idea behind, as you know, and and maybe our listeners should know, is the idea behind fucking the better fucking twenty five to the twenty two to twenty five episode seasons is they need to make the magic one hundred episodes so that it can go into syndication, yeah. and that's where the dollars come in. Seinfeld's made over a billion dollars because of syndication and uh, the Star Trek trilogies and whatnot, or Star Trek, sorry, series. That's what they were hoping for with Enterprise, and I don't think they got to their 100 no. episodes. I could be wrong, happy to be corrected on that one, but that's what you're after with this thing. So it's going to be interesting because Modern Family has just done its 100th episode. What's its take-home? But you know, are, are audiences maturing? Maybe look, and that's because certainly... you, you also look at, at older shows, like you even look at your your Seinfeld now compared to your your older syndicated shows, your mm. shows from the sixties and seventies. There is a an evolution to a show like Seinfeld from a and I Love Lucy, and then similarly you've got the evolution to Arrested Development, Modern Family, that Absolutely. kind of show. Yeah, are our audiences getting more sophisticated and being able to deal with absolutely with, with a show that requires more focus yep. better than they would have in the past. So and these they, shows can probably go into syndication now uh, the, because you have a more mature audience. Well, there's no question that they'll go into syndication, but what he's talking about is the inherent lazy... Because his Cougar Town is a single camera, mm. no laugh track. As was Scrubs. Yeah. yeah. What he is suggesting, and and I, I really agree with him on this point, is that at the end of the day, 
we are a lazy bunch of fucking people mm. and we will whack something. When when something's being shown at that 6, 6.30 or 7 o'clock time break. People are doing other things. They're cooking yeah, they're dinner. Cooking they're dinner. eating dinner. Oh, whack Seinfeld on. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've... And I, they're there for a long time. And I, I look, I'd still rate it easily in my top five television shows of all time. If a Seinfeld episode is on, I will be distracted for about two, three minutes while I watch it. And then I can, I can just go and continue to do things, hear it and go, oh, they must be, oh, look in there. Oh, Kramer did something yeah. funny and keep going on. You can't do that with Modern Family unless you've seen it quite a few times mm. because there will be dead silence from the screen as they're doing something mm. and you have to stop what you're doing and go back. And that's what I think he's talking yeah. about. Look, Bill Lawrence on Twitter, check him out. Go back through his Twitter feed, you can find it. I just thought it was a really fascinating, about nine or ten tweets. Yeah. Really fascinating little thing, little tidbit on there. But, I've, you know, what are you going to do? The Red Road. I, I looked at this. That was, an all, that was an also ran for me. I'm intrigued by this one, but I don't think Jason Momoa ha- is leading man material. I really don't, but who knows. He plays a sheriff who finds himself caught in the middle of a clash between small town he presides over a neighbouring, sorry, Native American tribe. I'm, no, I'm, I'm I, curious. I actually thought that he wasn't the sheriff, he was the chief of the tribe. Okay, I may have copied that down wrong. I thought he was the sheriff. I know Lisa Benet's in it, his wife. Okay. So, look, this one's getting, because this is on the Sundance channel, and this... this Which did uh, Top of the Lake? Yeah. I think, and, and they've and done some... They're, they're getting up to, like, an AMC level of they're, quality. They're knocking... They're just yeah. knocking things out of the park, so... And I just thought I'd give it a go. Like, that's that's my give it a go. Because it could be because Ray Donovan, I gave it a go. Yeah, and, and you've loved. Yeah, you love. Yeah, can't stop raving about that show. One that will be a guilty pleasure. Yep. A good friend of the show, Michael Bay, has produced Black Sails on the Stars uh, Network. Yeah. I think we've actually talked about this in the past. This is the network that gave us the nudity fests of Camelot and Spartacus. Ah, uh, show about pirates. Yeah, this, this is designed the, as a as a prequel to, to Treasure, Treasure Island. Island. Yeah. Pirates, I think, are becoming the next big fad. They are the <laughs> next, big, next big fad. <laughs> so I'll give, I'll give it a shot. If nothing else, it'll be impressive eye candy. The yeah. combination of a network that loves nudity and Michael Bay. You know, it's going to be pretty to look at. Yeah. Coincidentally, there's also Crossbones yeah, coming out that. on NBC starring John Malkovich as Blackbeard. I did not know he was in it. So now I'm going to watch that one. <laughs> I did not see that he was in it. I saw Crossbones. I saw Black Sails. I went, no, and kept scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So my my little guilty pleasure. But I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a look. I'm not promising anything. Friends with better lives. James Van der Beek. You love the Dawson. I don't mind a little bit of the beak. But there was a couple of episodes there was this sort of this died in the ass, good concept, failed dismally after about six or seven episodes, and also suffered because they were sh- the episodes were shown out of order which I never understand. They're doing that with Almost Human, and I do not understand what the fuck is going on there. Don't be, don't trust the bitch in Apartment 23 was this little cheesy little thing that had a great concept, and I think if you could... Because I've, I, you'd watch episodes, and then you'd watch the next episode, and it was, it was completely fucking foreign to what had just happened previously. So James Van... And he really, really impressed me in that one. So it may end up on my list of shame right next side of The Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a whirl. What was that cheerleading show you used to watch? Oh, Hellcats. I didn't use... I did, I, look, I did. I gave it five episodes. Just because it had hot... I'm, I am completely shallow when it comes to hot tail <laughs> in fucking cheerleading outfits. But even I couldn't... Even I couldn't last. And I... I mean, I've watched season five and six of True Blood. Like, I can, I can sit Jesus. through some shit. <laughs> the Strain. I, I have two more. Yep. The Strain, coming to FX later in the year. Mm-hmm. The Guillermo del Toro. The Guillermo del Toro vampire series. Yep. I mean... Bang, that's it. Yep. I talked about that. I think you did, yeah. Yeah, either I talked about it or I put it on the podcast, mm-hmm. the page, so I, that's why I didn't go back yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one that actually just sort of come out of nowhere but really has me excited for a bunch of different reasons, Cosmos. A space-time odyssey, a follow-up to Carl Sagan's Cosmos, oh, the yeah, personal yeah. journey, the revered PBS series from the eighties, narrated by one of my favorite people in the world, Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. and produced by Sagan's widow and Droyan and Seth MacFarlane of Family mm. Guy fame, who loved the Cosmos, the original Cosmos series, yeah. and wanted them wanted something like this to be made again. Mm-hmm. Anything that is going to get people interested in science, gets my vote. Yeah. 
Cosmos definitely has the legacy. There has been no great... We never got it in Australia, I don't think, but it's revered in America as mm. as the greatest thing that PBS ever put out. Yep. It'd be like if the Curiosity Show yeah, yeah, came back. Because yeah, yeah. it's all updated now. Like the, I, yeah. I didn't put this one on because I kind of went for the... The different type of TV show, but I am more than excited. Yes, yeah. when I heard about this coming out a long time ago, Neil deGrasse was on one of the many podcasts that I listen to. Mm. I'm beyond excited for this yeah. one. I think this is just going to be great. Yeah. And you're right, anything that gets people, particularly you know, kids, yeah, away from well, though, having said that, I mean, but I mean, we're going to watch it, yeah, so. <laughs> But having said that, I mean, I love science, particularly yeah. the Old Testament. So, I mean, it was a really, really, you know, good subject at school. So, <laughs> What did I watch recently that had Kenneth in it? I can't remember what it was. I was just like, oh, fuck, there's Kenneth. It's a sketch show. Have you, yeah, Keenan, Key and Peel. Yeah. Have you ever checked any I, of these I've guys I've had out? a couple of people rave about it quite a lot. Yeah, so. just really what? clever guys. Is, is that the, the guys that do the Obama? Like, yes, the, one guy does the, the really Luther, good Obama? yeah. yeah. Luther, the anger translator. Yeah. And it's very, very, my fellow Americans, listen up, motherfuckers. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's, and Obama had, was met, they met the White House yeah. and they got all very excited. Obama leans in and says, sometimes I really wish I had Luther with me. Now, fuck me if that's not <laughs> awesome. And they reckon they just, they squeed like little, oh, as little you girls. Would. As you would. Very clever guys and, and they'll take a really great, a, a single premise and f- flog it to death, but only in a way that that good sketch comedy can be done. So yeah, like well worth what, watching. you know, Saturday Night Live was in the 80s. Well, yeah, these guys are a Mad TV alumni, and they yeah. actually came about... Mad TV hired two African-Americans to compete against one another as to who was going to be the one that got hired next season. Mm. And these guys impressed so much that they stayed. And then yeah. when the contract was up, went, we really like each other and we've got the same sense of humour. Let's create a really yeah. fucking funny show. Yeah, Stuff like that. Like Tracy Morgan, his book, like his book, The New Black, that's what that spot on Mad TV was. And that's what that spot in yeah. Saturday Night Live is. It's the black guy. Well, they've only just hired their first female African-American cast member on yeah. Saturday Night Live. I'm pretty sure it's their first ever yeah. or it's their first in like 20 years or yeah. something like that. And the show's only been on for 30, so that's, you know. Yeah. Saturday I, Night Live just needs to die. I don't get Saturday Night Live. I've laughed at it. Like, I mean, in a show that's had 30-odd years on television... You're going to get some gold. To but... only laugh at about five episodes. Yeah. Like when I Louis C.K. was on, I'm like, oh, I don't even, I didn't smile once. Yeah, it's just not funny anymore. I don't I mean, get it, it. it. It had its two golden ages. Yeah. It had your Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. golden age and your Will Farrell, yep. where it was, but it's just irrelevant now. Yeah. But then I, I may be, again, if I was ever going to be running out of a room, it's going to be this one. I actually don't find the cowbell sketch very funny at all. <laughs> I understand it's, I understand the absurdity of it. I don't think it's that funny. I think there are plenty of other funny Welkin moments out there. And that people, was, that was a couple. Just, of- <laughs> just listen back to the beginning of the episode where we said, and we're definitely getting to thirty. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, Kevin Spacey doing Welkin. Screen testing for Star Wars is infinitely funny. Mm-hmm. And I was, anyway, I just don't think That's it's right. so funny. That's but right. it's, yeah, it's SNL, I don't, I don't understand it. It's not that New York sense of humour. I don't, I just don't understand it. Yet somehow Lorne Michaels is It just must God. rate. And yeah, you know, that's been on for 30 years. Mm. And we can't get a Kylie Mole show up off the ground. <laughs> did you know they did a Kath and Kim movie? Kath and Kim Dorella? I th- yeah, I think I, I think I had repressed it, but I think you've now reminded me. And now I have to go and correct myself to sleep again. <laughs> After masturbating, I, I, no. I didn't mind. I didn't mind Kathy Kim. There was some really good, broad mm. Aussie humour, and it, and I've never become more patriotic as I am when I travel overseas. It is ridiculous how. G'day is. I mean, and I say g'day anyway. Mm. Oh, it's it is part of my lexicon, but. I really dropped the hey, hey g'day mate, how a fair income. Uh, I, I reckon, I reckon you'd be a uh, in a different country. I reckon you'd drop the cobber. Uh, I've been known to say crikey and almost kick myself for saying it. But hey, oh, fair income. Yeah, whatever fair, gets 
fair suck of the sad. Whatever <laughs> drops the panties, I say, as Go far as I'm it. concerned. But anyway, that's been us for 28. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I'm older. You are. I'm. I am now older than this podcast. I can have sex with this. Well, this podcast can have sex with me. I'm now of age. Four zero. Don't feel any different to when I felt three nine. Got to be honest. Everyone's made a big deal of it. Thank you very much for people who did make a big deal of it. Uh, I don't get it. Forties the new black. (laughs) You know. But anyway, I'm older. A little bit wiser. Very fucking tired, but what are you going to do? Yeah. If you want to contact us. Facebook? Yep. Facebook.com slash ACOP podcast. Yep. And if you want to hit us up on Twitter, I'm ACOP Woody. ACOP Nate. Email us if you've got wonderful things to say. Yep. Pricks at a couple of pricks.com. And as always, our complaint email address, which, well, it's, it's been empty. Yeah. I've got to be honest, is go fuck yourself at a couple of pricks.com. And for people that have issues with iTunes, Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> but go to a couple of pricks.com. Yep. You'll find some stuff there. It is a work in progress because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. But the episodes are there. Get off my dick. Yeah. And if anyone out there who listens who's offering to web host and, and do all that sort of stuff, uh, contact us. Yeah. Uh, you've, you, we've just given you four different ways to contact us. Yeah. You can also call me. Like, you yeah. know, you know, you motherfuckers, you know who we are. Yeah. But so for episode 28, I've been Woody. I'm Nate. And we're a, a couple, couple of pricks. pricks. The magic dragon lived by the sea and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanali. Little Jackie Paper loved that rascal pup and brought him strings and sealing wax and other fancy stuff. Oh, up the magic dragon lived by In a land called Hanali Up the magic dragon Lived by the sea And frolicked in the autumn mist In a land called Hanali Together they were lovers He was Shredder In the original TMNT cartoon That's the one that actually... Ooh, glad we waited. So on yeah, that, one. <laughs> that was uh, that was worth it, folks. I hope you appreciate Ooh, everything that we do. Hero. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>